and welcome to the Bible Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Kelly, and I'm here to help you understand what you just read in the Bible. Welcome to the second part of week 26. I'm so glad you've come back. If you haven't listened to the first part, you can go ahead and do so. Be sure to get more of the beverage of your choice as the drinking game does continue. Now let's get back to Ahab, Jezebel, and Elijah, and a host of other characters. Starting off with 1 Kings 21, lest we have sympathy or feel sorry for Ahab, other than the sadness over a wasted life, we get to see another one of his crimes, and the fact he is rather passive when it comes to action. So there was a man named Naboth, a Jezreelite, whose vineyard had caught Ahab's attention. Ahab asks to buy it. Naboth says, God forbid me from selling it to you, which made Ahab mad, and since he was already sulking, he started sulking even harder. I imagine him sighing like really loud and seeing who asks him what is going on like (gasps) (sighs) 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 but it does work as Jezebel is like what on earth are you sighing about and personally she has the same reaction I would have to it Ahab tells her what's going on and she's like are you telling me that you're upset because you can't get a vineyard legit now her remedy is far from anything that I would condone because she's like you're the king I guess I'll go get it for you like literally you're dude you're the king of you're the king of Israel if you want a freaking vineyard go get a vineyard but I digress so she has people in the area of Naboth invite him to a dinner has two terrible humans sit next to him then accuse him of speaking against God and had him stoned to death like what After that was done, Jezebel tells Ahab, now go get your dang vineyard. But our great God was not going to let that go, and he calls one of our favorite prophets, Elijah, and the wonderful thorn in Ahab's side. I love Elijah, in case you didn't notice. Elijah shows up to the vineyard, and Ahab is like, ugh, great, my enemy is here. And I have to read exactly from the Bible because I I love it, and I think it's awesome. Obviously, from the NIV version, I have found you, Elijah answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. God says, I am going to bring disaster on you. I will wipe out your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and that of Baasha, son of Ahijah, because you have aroused my anger and have caused Israel to sin. And also concerning Jezebel, the Lord says, Dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city, and the birds will feed on those who die in the country. So Ahab was shooketh by this news and put on sackcloth and humbled himself over it. God lets Elijah know that God saw Ahab's humbleness and would not do what he said in Ahab's day, but for sure and Ahab's son's day. We then get to meet Jehoshaphat, who took reign after his father Asa died. Jehoshaphat is like his father was in the beginning and followed God's way. In Jehoshaphat's third year, he sent his officials, which the two that will be familiar to us is Obadiah and Micaiah, to go and teach to the towns of Judah God's word. He followed God so closely, God made it that the tribes around Judah didn't go to war against Jehoshaphat, and even some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat gifts and tributes. Even the Arabs brought him livestock. So nothing like uh, peaceful times to cause people to be bored. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, I knew I was right. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went to hang out with the king of Israel. King of Israel is like, hey, do you know that Aram still has our Ramoth Gilead territory? We should totally go and get it. Jehoshaphat was like, yeah, we're brothers in God, but uh, we need to ask God's counsel first. Ahab is like, 
absolutely, <laughs> and then calls for prophets that are literally not of God's. They tell Ahab, yeah, you should go to war. God is totally on your side. Jehoshaphat sees all this and goes, uh, is there a prophet of God we can inquire of? Ahab rolls his eyes and says, there is. His name is Micaiah, but he hates me and never prophesies anything good about me. Jehoshaphat was like, you really shouldn't say that. And then turns and says, uh, can you guys go get him for me? Thanks. When when Micaiah comes in, the messengers that came to get him uh, says the other prophets act in a fool and telling the king that the kings will be extremely successful. And the messengers like, and you should agree with these prophets. Micaiah rolls his eyes, I would, and says, I can only say what the Lord tells me. Like, dude, that's the whole point of being a prophet of God. Duh. Once Micaiah is in front of Ahab, he asks him if they should go to war or not. Micaiah is like, yes, attack and be victorious. Ahab, annoyed, says, how many times do I have to tell you to tell me the truth? So Micaiah answers again, I saw all the soldiers of Israel scattered on a hill like sheep without their shepherd. And the Lord says these people have no master left. Each one of them go home in peace. Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat and says, I told you he never says anything good about me. Micaiah skips over that part and continues saying that he saw God sitting on his throne surrounded by the multitudes of angels. And God asks who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth Gilead. So he goes to his death. Now there were some suggestions from everybody in the group, but but finally, um, a spirit came forward and said, I will entice him by acting as the deceiving spirit in the mouths of his prophet and say he will be successful when he goes to war. God says, go do that. You will be successful. God allowed that deceiving spirit. You've seen it. And the Lord has decreed disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, the messenger, slaps Micaiah and scoffs. Which way did the spirit from the Lord go? Micaiah responds, you will find out on the day you go to hide in the inner room. Ahab has Micaiah go to prison. Micaiah is like, if you return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Mark my words, all y'all. So despite all the warnings, Ahab goes into battle, but it is Ahab, so none of us should be surprised by this. At the battlegrounds, Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat and says, uh, I'm going to go into battle in disguise, but you should totally stay here in your royal robes. Nobody's coming for you. I promise. Uh Uh-huh. I'm side-eyeing you, Ahab. And Jehoshaphat, you need to quit being so trusting of Ahab. Seriously, dude. Meanwhile, Aram's men see Jehoshaphat and think he is the king of Israel. Jehoshaphat cried out, screamed like a little girl would be my guess. They realized that this was not Ahab. I am also certain that this was the first case of jumping Jehoshaphat. The men turn to go and find Ahab, and one lone person sends out an arrow, and it happens to find its home between Ahab's armor. Ahab told his driver he was hit, and he ends up dying. Ahab was brought to Samaria and was buried there. As they washed the chariot, the dogs licked up the blood, just as God had declared. And we find out that Ahaziah, his son, succeeds him as king. Again, I apologize for the pronouncing of names. Sometimes my mouth and tongue do not want to work with me to speak words. I don't know if that happens to you. Happens to me quite a bit. Meanwhile, as Jehoshaphat left the battle, he was met with Hanani, who tells him that he was wrong to meet up with Ahab and fight, and the wrath of the Lord is on him. He does have good in him, and he should rid the lands of the Ashrapoles and have his heart set on seeking God. He should appoint judges and cities throughout the land of Judah, have some of the Levites, priests, and head of the families to administer the law of God, order them to serve faithfully and wholeheartedly fear the Lord, and when cases come up before you, Jehoshaphat, to warn the people not to sin 
against God. Otherwise, his wrath will come on you and your people. The warning from Hanani came to be, and Judah was at war with the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Mennonites. Jehoshaphat quickly inquired of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, their wives and children and little ones, also stood before the Lord. The Lord came to Jehazel, and in the assembly told them that the Lord said not to be afraid or discouraged he was with them, that the battle is God's, and that they will not have to fight. Stand firm in the position God tells you, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat heard that and fell to his face, and all the people joined him to praise and worship the Lord. As the men praised on to God, he did deliver them from their enemies, and then the fear of God came on the other surrounding kingdoms, and Judah had peace. Then Jehoshaphat tries to sail ships out of Ophir. Uh, Kelly, side note, scholars are still trying to find this city today. There are two schools of thought as to where it is. Some believe that it is on the Arabian Peninsula, and others think that it's East Africa, India, but they still haven't found it yet. Unfortunately, those ships did not make it because Jehoshaphat had made an alliance with Ahaziah, the king of Israel, and the prophet Mereshah said that the Lord would destroy what he had made. And they did. No more ships. So drink up. Ahaziah did evil in the eyes of the Lord like his father Ahab did. We meet Jehoshaphat's son, Jehoram, who becomes king of Judah. Unfortunately, he does not follow his dad. He follows Ahab and even marries one of Ahab's daughters and does evil in the eyes of the Lord. So drink up. And soon the Edomites and Libna came up against Jehoram because of the evil he did. Elijah shows up, which if you were doing evil, you knew wasn't a good sign. Elijah tells Jehoram that because you did evil, killed your own family that his own family would be killed and Jehoram you will be very ill with a lingering disease of the bowels until it makes your bowels come out. Most people believe that this disease is colon cancer. Don't know for sure just know that is a terrible way to go. However I even worse than that I think the saddest sentence of Jehoram's life was he passed away to no one's regret. Ugh I mean talk about a shot through the heart. I, mm, I pray I am never ever described that way. We meet Ahaziah who becomes king after his father dies and take a drink because he was as bad as Jehoram and Ahab. He literally only reigns one year. He was killed by Jehu who was sent by God to destroy the house of Ahab which he does and also gets Ahaziah. This upsets Athaliah, Ahaziah's mom. She starts to kill and destroy the family but Jehosheba, daughter of Jehoram took Joash, Ahaziah's son, and stole him away so he wouldn't get murdered. He stays at the temple of God for six years while Grandma Athila rules Israel. You ever get the feeling that uh, Israel is getting closer to the wheels falling off? Oh, good. I'm glad it isn't just me. Jehoiada, the priest, got the word of the Lord and set out to fix the issue. Him, with other leaders, brought the Levites and had them come to the temple of God. They were given specific orders on how to come back to the temple and who was to do what. And then he had Joah come out of the temple and crown him king. As they started celebrating and shouting, Long live the king, Grandma hears this, went to investigate, saw her grandson being praised. She tore her robes and screamed, Treason! Treason! Jehoiada was having none of her dramatics, told the leaders to bring her to him and to kill anyone who followed her. They killed her at the entrance of the horse gate, which, believe it or not, is the gate that horses went through. I know. Then Jehoiada made a covenant that he, the people, and the king would be the Lord's people, and they all went to the Baal temples and tore that down. They even killed the priests of Baal. Jehoiada also made sure that the Levites, soldiers, and anyone 
else knew what they were to be doing and where to be. So he put the wheels back on Israel. And then we come to the book of Obadiah. So a few notes. Obadiah means worshiper of Yahweh. We do not know which of the Obadiahs we just read about is the one that wrote this book. So what does this book mean? It condemns the nation of Edom, but in a larger sense, it is a condemnation on those nations and people who place themselves in opposition to God or God's people and can expect judgment for that. So as current Americans... I think I think we should be a little worried personally personal opinion so Obadiah humbles himself in this which is because he understands who God is and shows the polar opposite of what Edom and the other nations like Edom were doing which is being prideful of their opposition to God and as we know pride goeth before the fall and Obadiah predicts that 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 is exactly what's going to happen to Edom and those nations while God will reinstate and bring into his presence his people and so we will end with that uh, no final drinks since Joash hasn't had a chance to have his story told and Edom was taken care of if you have any reactions thoughts questions or words you need to throw my way please do so at my website bmepodcast.com I also have started a small blog on there just to bring updates about the cut co- podcast or just me you know small updates if you want to check it out nothing major i hope you have a most fabulous week and i will talk to you in the next episode bye